Hey, this is John Rockberg, and I'm here with my daughter, Laura. Hey. Head is smaller than mine. Hey. Um, and we're talking about the fact that we were made to count. And um, everybody was created with a drive to significance, and that's not the same thing as egotism. Um, we want to have an impact. We're both three in the Enneagram, so that can get out of control a little bit, especially for you. Especially for you. Um, but uh, it's actually a good thing. So I'm going to read a little bit from this book by Dallas Willard, uh, which is called Life Without Lack. He's got a chapter on why, why are there people? Why were human beings made? And he talks about how... Um, uh, all of creation is good. In Genesis, over and over again, you see that little word, good, good, good. Uh, and then he, he he writes about how, I find myself agreeing with the writer, it's all good, the sun is good, the moon is good, dry land was a great idea. <laughs> um, uh, think about beauty, majesty, variety, the creatures God made. Notice the way we're drawn to go see them at zoos and aquariums. When I look at them, I find myself thinking of the adjectives go well beyond good, especially concerning whales and elephants. It's cute. He liked whales and elephants Apparently a lot. he did, yeah. Um, you see, all these creations are good. And then he says, being itself is good. Being is better than non-being. One of the most depressing thoughts you can think is just nothing. Occasionally, I get involved in a philosophical discussion with someone who suggests it would have been better if God had not created anything. In such instances, I know I am dealing with someone who is focusing on some particularly bad thing like famine or sickness and the sorrow and pain humans suffer in the world. But if you weigh all the pain and the suffering against all the joy and strength you find in human life, it is still good. Don't say anything. Then, after all else, God came to create human beings. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over cattle. God put human beings in charge of the earth. And here it is. That is, we are to be responsible for the earth and life upon it. It is an assignment that we are still working on today, whether we believe in God or not. If you look at human history, from its most rudimentary form to its most complex, you will see that this is what human beings have always done and continue to do. Although we forget about God in many cases, which is why things often don't work out so well, we are still on the project. We are in our nature perfectly fitted for what Moses wrote down as the charge God put on us, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. The charge to humankind was to rule the earth for good, and it was good that it should be so. So that is why we're here. And then I was thinking in particular of one of the parables that Jesus uh, talked about, so I thought we could talk about that a little bit. Um, as, as you think about how you are made to count, um, he told the story, it's in a couple different Gospels, of um, how a master went away and had three servants, and he gave to each of them um, talents. We actually get our word talent from... From talent? Wow. <laughs> Albert Einstein over here. <laughs> uh, uh, you can't say what you no, want to say. No, I can't say. No, I'm thinking of several... <laughs> Words and gestures, oh, and no. all of them were forbidden to you me. So I'll just plunge right ahead. Yeah, please do. Yeah, talents. Gave one five talents, one two talents, one one talent. And uh, the five talent person invested them 
made 10. Uh, the two talent person investment made four altogether. The one talent person buried them in the field. And I remember reading a long time ago when Jesus tells parables, um, you look at what are the constants with each character and what are the variables because the hinge point is the variable. And occasionally, like with this parable, you have um, three characters. And the reason why there are three characters here is that there's more than one variable. And so you have to figure out which variable matters. One of the variables is how many talents do you get? And so one gets five, one gets two, one gets one. That's not the variable that matters. And the reason we know that is that the person who gets five goes and invests it. The person who gets two does the same thing. The person who then makes five is commended. And the person who makes two is commended in just the same way. And I think it's kind of interesting that it was the one talent person who buried his in the earth. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the idea that we're made to count. In this world, apart from God, very often the people who count are the five talent people. The people who are thought to be really gifted, really intelligent, um, really wealthy. They're the ones that count. What you do matters. I remember at a church, somebody telling me one time, it was a large church. And the leader of that church was appealing to him to come there because he said, you're a five-talent guy, so you need to be at this church with a really big platform. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that might have been a good church for him to work at, but that completely misses the point, the point of Jesus' yeah. story, yeah. which is this world says it's about how many talents you have. In the kingdom, it is not so. And maybe it's people who think in the world that they don't have a lot to bring to the table who are apt to go and bury what little talent they might think they have. But actually, the only question God will ask of you is, what did you do with what you were given? He will not ask you, what did you do with what you were not given? Um, not why weren't you like somebody else, just what did you do with what you uh, were given? So how do you think about that as you think about your life and your talents, what it is that you were given? What um, motivates you to want to invest those? Uh, what keeps you from doing it? I, when I think like biblically about this parable, I think alongside of it of the parable, not parable, the real story of the widow's might. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And because I've always kind of hated this parable because it feels like, oh, I could be the guy that was afraid. Like you gave me, you gave me something to be responsible for. I'll just bury it and give it back to you when you need it back. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think so much of um, anyone who's dealt with anxiety, but really anyone who's lived in the world for long enough, like you get afraid of a lot of different kinds of, um, a lot of ways in which you can be vulnerable, feel scary. Mm -hmm. And um, so instead of, you know, putting thought and wisdom into making a decision that could fail, I'd rather just sort of, um, not do anything. Play it safe. And I think about, um, you know, Jesus watching the widow put her last two coins into that box in the temple and um, the way that he praised her hmm. with every, you know, like in the highest form and that she... She gave more. She gave the most mm -hmm. and she had so little. I mean, to kind of the paradox that you were talking about. You know the word para? The Greek para? It's where we get our... <laughs> 
<laughs> pair of shoes, pair of, pair of socks. Yeah, uh-huh. pair of ducks. Wow. That's cool. Uh, and um, I think about that and I think about the ways that she had to um, trust and be brave mm. to give what she yeah. did. Yeah. And so I think sometimes in churches especially, it, this parable can kind of be like, you know, let your light shine before all men, like be bold, do big things, come to the church with the big platform, yeah. that kind of thing. And that's <clears throat> not inherently bad, um, but it's also not inherently good or better yeah. to do like big, big things. I think what it means is that we get to trust God with what we have. And so I think of like um, mm. going through a mm. season of a couple of miscarriages and feeling really scared to try again to be pregnant mm. and scared the whole time I was with my son that he would, something bad would happen to him. Um, I think about, you know, work and um, a job that I took that I have now that I love where I'm doing fundraising and development. And I thought it'd be awful. I thought I would just like cold call people all day for money. And that's <laughs> not but I, I love it. And I think I'm good at talking about things that Me too. involve meaning. Um, I think about, you know, my marriage and, and my new baby who you could probably hear in the other room and um, the ways I had to trust to do that. So I think of like, okay, I have these talents, which might be a gift or a calling that I have, but it might also just be um, God kind of asking, how can you trust me? Mm. Like, how can you trust mm. that I want what is good for you? Mm. And trust that every day um, with your everyday things. Mm. Um, yeah, that's how I think about it. So, um, this cup actually is a little parable. It is a little bull. Para. Look at the word bull. Bull. Yeah. Bull. Um, Parable. Uh, it actually initially belonged to my grandmother, my dad's mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, after she died, my grandfather called my mom and said there was this box of blue dishes in the attic, and my mom loved blue. So, Kathy, if you want to look at him, you can. Otherwise, I'll give him the Salvation Army. And over time, my folks, my mom found out the story from relatives that my grandmother grew up in quite a poor family, uh, would get one cup or one saucer of uh, this china that was made in a factory in Bavaria that was destroyed during World War II, um, 24 karat gold around the rim, mother of pearl inside. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom had never seen it. She asked my dad, my dad had never seen it. These were so valuable, my grandmother would wrap them up and store them in the attic and then never use them. Never. And um, so my mom got them and used them promiscuously. Yeah. And um, now some of them have gone to my daughter, not yeah. to me. Not to you. But you got some. No, sorry. So, so the question for today is, um, what has God given to me? What's God given to you? What's God given to you? And those might be gifts. They might be things that the world thinks of as talents. Maybe they're experiences. Mm-hmm. I think because of what you have gone through um, with miscarriages and the way that you struggle with anxiety and you'll be able to help people with that that you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, and I've been helped by people who have asked themselves that same question. You know, how can I give of what I have and what's felt like a burden that then feels like a gift to me or someone else to receive it. So today, do a little inventory right now. What have you been given? Um, And it could look positive or it could look painful and difficult, could be an experience. And what can you do with that? What is one way that you can use what God has given to you where you trust Him and try to bless somebody else with it? Um, Make today count. Cheers.
Thanks for joining us here at becomenew.me. If you'd like to receive the daily emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me at gmail.com. Or if you want prayer, you can text us at 855-888-0444.